Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how you doing? Doing all right. You know, we uh, watched some more football today, had a crazy, exciting, point-filled um, foot NFL weekend, and the best part of it all is the Packers won. Yeah, I mean, a crazy weekend for football. And, you know, probably one of the crazier games of the weekend was this Packers-Saints game, the home opener for Green Bay, to be down. If you haven't seen this game yet, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Go go back and watch it, because this is a classic. And watch it all the way to the end, because I know there were times that I'm sure a lot of people were thinking... If you haven't seen this game yet, why are you listening to our post-game show? Yeah, but I know there were times where Come a lot on, of people probably... Wa- get with, a get lot with people, game plan. A lot of people probably wanted to turn it off. But this watch it all the true. way to the end. I promise you'll be rewarded. But, all right, start it up again. We're going to spoil it now. Packers win 18-17, coming back from 17 nothing in the fourth quarter. Jordan Love leads three consecutive scoring drives. Um, Malafleur makes some great decisions, great play calls. It's a great game. Packers are 2-1. and one. They're on top of the NFC North. They're fourth in the NFC overall in the conference. Things are going well for the Packers, Dad. It's we're going to talk about it all today. We're going to break it all down. The, what we liked on offense, what we didn't like on offense, what we liked on defense, what we didn't like on defense, what we didn't like on special teams. Notice how that one's plus a little what different. We didn't than like those. On, plus, plus what we didn't like on special teams. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got a lot to talk about. We're really excited to talk about it. Before we do, though, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting. Um, pieces of news, pretty much everything you need to know that's going around on around Titletown. Uh, and then if you like us even more, come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube. And if you subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers in the algorithm. So we'd really appreciate it. But dad, should we get into talking about this game? We've got a lot to talk about. And let's start with the injury report because Packers going into this game, a lot of injuries, some we didn't even know about when we did our pregame on Thursday. And coming out of this game, some more injuries on top of that, Dad. You want to run us through it real quick? Yeah, so basically almost everybody we were hoping would play didn't. No Bakhtiari. And then, and then more. And then more on top of that. No. Right. So but but as of as of Thursday, there's like, okay, these are the ones who are limited. And added on Friday that Jair was was limited and so and questionable. So questionable. No Bakhtiari, no Aaron Jones, no Christian Watson, no Jair Alexander, no Alton Jenkins. So missing. Starting left tackle, starting left guard, two best offensive linemen. Running back one, wide receiver one, cornerback one, all out. Um, despite what we were hoping, and maybe whether the reasons were because of the short week coming up next week, supposedly not. But that wasn't it. So those are the players who were out from the beginning of the game. But wait, there's more. During the game, we also lost starting linebacker, Devondre Campbell. Before halftime, even so, we missed him for we lost him for half the game. Um, Valentine he had a biceps injury around, and so he missed the whole second half. He was our, our replacement for cornerback one, so he was gone for half of the game. And then at the very end, Zach Tom supposedly injured a knee and only missed a couple of the the kneel down plays. And that 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 seems like something that maybe he's not going to miss much time. That it's not that he avoided something serious. Hopefully, According knock to, on wood. Uh, Matt LaFleur. Hopefully, knock on wood. Um, 
But yeah, and the so that's in this that game, was what we ended up with for this game. And the number of oh, you mentioned like uh, how, what yeah. percent of the salary cap they missed for this game? Yeah, Ken Ingles had it. Fifty-two percent of like the salary cap was unavailable for this game, which is just crazy that they were able to pull off this win with all of those injuries we talked about. Your entire left half of the line, your best weapons not there, your best corners not there against a team with some great receivers. Um, Rashawn Gary on a pitch count. That was 52% um, either unavailable or on a pitch count was was what it was. Um, so it was including Gary as well. But yeah, so many pieces missing for this team, which is why it feels like an even gutsier win. And a lot of those are going to be ones we need to keep our eye on for Thursday. And we're going to be doing way more in-depth dive into the injury report when we do our pregame on Wednesday for this uh, upcoming game. Um, for now, there's not a whole lot of news on these players. The question is like, all right, did they hold them out of this game because they knew they had a short week against a divisional opponent, which is a really important game? Matt LaFleur said that's not the case, but we know that could always just be a bit of gamesmanship. It's going to be something to keep an eye on, but stick with us and we'll keep you up to date going forward. But dad, let's get into this game breakdown and let's start with the biggest moment of the game. And what we do here is we go based on ESPN win probability, what changed the game the most. And the honorable mention is the second touchdown that took the odds from a 72.4% chance of New Orleans winning to a 65.4% chance of Green Bay winning with a swing of 37%. That was a huge play in the game, obviously. But the biggest moment of the game, Dad, was the missed field goal at the end by Blake Groupie, rookie kicker for the for the Saints, which changed the odds from a 53.3% chance of winning for New Orleans to a 99.9.99999% chance of winning for Green Bay a change of 53.2%. And that was the game right there. It was 18 to 17. He had a kick to win the game and 46 yards pushed it wide, right? Thank goodness. Cause like you were saying, uh, we, it was yeah. a little scary there for a second. After you just watching him come down the, the, the field, I was thinking, okay, they're going to end up close in like, you know, almost felt like seconds. They're already in field goal range. It's like, okay, we're going to have to try to do one more, hurry up offense drive to to win the game after they take the, take the lead back from us again. And then when he missed, I didn't have to sweat it out anymore. I could just relax, enjoy the whole yeah. rest of the day and say, this was a fantastic comeback. This is a glorious, beautiful game. And I think, you know, if they had had to make the comeback, I would have definitely needed like a long rest after that game, a long nap after that game. I don't think it's safe to have your heart rate elevated for quite that long. But uh, those are the moments of the game. Austin Let's... Powers after a photo session, and I'm spent. <laughs> I got nothing left. Check, please. Check, please. But anyway... Let's move on to talking about some sides of the ball in this game. Some good stuff, some bad stuff. And, Dad, let's start with the offense. I think we have a lot to talk about here. I don't have quite as much to say about the defense, but I got some positives. I got some negatives for the offense. If you don't mind, I'll start us off with what I think was the biggest positive of the game and a lot of in a lot of places the biggest story of the game, which was going for two down 14, which is just the smart thing to do. The math tells you to do it. Number one, that's an excellent play by Love in that situation. He kind of off creates off script, moves forward oh. in the pocket, avoids yeah. the rush, and hits Toure to the left when kind of Lattimore essentially like falls asleep for a second. I don't really know what happened there to him, but we're not going to worry about it. But, Dad, going for two down 14 is just such a great example of Matt LaFleur as a head coach and decision maker giving his team a better chance to win by just understanding the math of the situation, number one, and number two, having the courage to risk essentially 
it this is the right decision. But if it doesn't go well, you as the head coach are taking on essentially the sole brunt and weight of all criticism the coming out of this football industrial complex is coming for you. Yes. Because but so it did it took stones to do yes. what is the smart thing in this case and because what, the number it's just it's actually pretty basic probability of what yes. is more likely to work. And, and when you see you when you see coaches math. And when you see coaches on the other side of the spectrum, like how the Raiders game ended for them, where they kicked a field goal oh, down man. eight, and, an idiot. The, and their <laughs> and their coach essentially takes away a chance for them to stay in that game, it really helps you appreciate that Lafleur essentially said, "I'm going to take all the risk here. I'm shouldering all this responsibility that I know if this doesn't go well, I'm going to be heavily criticized." But going for two here is the right decision, and the reason it's the right decision, like you were saying, Dad is essentially the idea is you have about a 50-50% chance of converting a two-point conversion these days. So the odds of you completing at least one of the conversions is pretty good. So if you miss the first, you should feel pretty good about getting the second statistically, and that would tie the game. But if you get the first one, it results in the situation that played out today where you get the win. And you the, Right, you, have the, you, you increase your chance of three. So your ability to get two points is about the same with two extra points versus two two-point conversions. Yes. But Be if you get the first one of the two two-point conversions, now you have con more control over the outcome of the game. And exactly. Then you, don't and have to, you can do one two-point conversion and one extra point. And the other thing that comes up is the idea that you never want to go to overtime. Overtime is bad. Overtime is essentially lending your results to the flip of a coin because the team that wins the coin toss almost always wins. And so you want to try and win in regulation no matter what. So based on the fact that, you know, two extra points, like the odds of getting at least one of those is the same as making those, those two extra points. The fact that getting the first one is going to essentially lead to a win like it did in this scenario. The fact that you want to avoid overtime, Matt LaFleur essentially made the correct decision there. And it's what a lot of people on ESPN are talking about. It's what a lot of people are talking about. This is the kind of decision that if it goes poorly, it's running the whole morning segment about how analytics are ruining the game and Matt LaFleur overthought it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I do feel like while it has gotten some attention, it has not gotten enough attention. I feel like analytics never gets credit when it works. It only gets just like torn to shreds when it doesn't. And I think we need there to give some... There was a some... whole article on ESPN.com today about the math behind it. Um, and re running through the probability of winning. And your chance of uh, winning when you... I think that, that article was from Day. Anyway, I found it today. But yeah, and... And I've definitely seen some people talk about it, and I, I think that's just like a good sign for where people are going with their understanding of the game. Because I was watching, I was in like a, a message board with some other Packers fans, and people were like, why are you going for two? Why are you going for two? And it's like, no, trust. This is the right decision. It's very scary. It's very scary as a fan. I'm sure it's very <laughs> scary for a lot of people. Doesn't make it not the right decision. And that was the first thing that I wanted to highlight on offense, Dad, of a positive here. Do you yeah. want to lead and off? It's not a hundred percent that you're going to get two points if you kick two extra points. No, it's not. Especially with what we've seen out of the Packers special teams recently, 
Not recently. And I think that's something that people but. haven't let go of yet. They essentially assume that it's a guarantee they'll get both of those extra points. And it's more like ninety percent you'll get get them both get get two of them. It's not a hundred. Yeah. And it kinda depends how good your kicker is. And yes, and we saw today, <laughs> rookie kickers, things become volatile with them. And Groupie for the Saints had had a very nice start to his career, but it's a lot of pressure in those types of situations. And we saw Anders Carlson make the extra point that gave them the lead, which was a pretty high leverage extra point. I don't know if you saw, but the Saints tried to block it with the long snapper's towel. Did you see this? No, I missed this. this the Saints <laughs> ripped the Packers' uh, Matt Orzek's lo- long snapper's towel out from the bo- the back of his pants and tried to throw it in the air to knock the ball out of the air. I'm pretty sure it's an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty That's or some kind of something. But yes, but they, they tried to do more it. on um, Carlson's first kick of the day. That field goal was a little was tight, like, huh? Is that is that slicing wide right? But then it hooked in because this is like he normally doesn't that hook, post. It feels like. Yeah, and he normally doesn't hook it like that, it feels it, like, at all. Yeah, yeah So but, it uh, it ended up with plenty of room to spare, but at the start, it was like, uh, <laughs> it yeah. could, because no. at that point, you don't know if it's going to slice or if it's going to hook, and it didn't have to slice much to miss. But yeah, that was, that was the first positive I wanted to talk about for this game, though, was that two-point conversion. Dad, what was the first positive that you wanted to talk about on offense for the Packers in this game? Mine are not as extensive as yours. Um, and in, in uh, I'll just start with one of the things that I have that ties directly to you is like Love's throw for that two-point conversion was almost his most impressive play to me and maybe one of the best of his career. Um, the way that he runs and kind of uh, goes off script a little bit, I, th- I think they actually had a mistiming on some of the jet, mo- some of the motion, keeping his eyes up, and the speed with which he switches from running to throwing it on target, where he makes a decision and all of a sudden just rips it really quickly over to uh, to Toure to hit, to hit him when he's open. Uh, that was, I, the, it was just so fast and fluid. The change from a running from running and scrambling to throwing it that I was really impressed with. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I I just barely touched on it, but like you said, I think one of the most impressive plays from him on the day, I think in a day that, you know, he struggled to start the game, I think is fair to say the offense did him no favors in terms of penalties, etc., which we'll talk about. But that play, a couple of the runs he made, I mean just some high-level flashes that oh, yeah, <laughs> when you <laughs> add them together, yeah, the the couple of the runs were pretty sick, which I he I think would be the, some nice running ability. Um, these last couple weeks. I mean, do you want to talk about the fourth, the fourth and goal touchdown? But right before the two point conversion, he makes that look way easier than it is. That was not easy. He made like multiple time Pro Bowler and one of the best linebackers in the league, Demario Davis, missing the hole. That's really hard. Yeah, running back one don't on do one that. in the hole, and he does a just he cuts right around him. He practically didn't get, get touched by him. Just going untouched. Practi- yeah. No, he, he gets hit a little bit, but he practically makes, makes him miss entirely. And, and mean, his read wanna... was exactly correct because the, the handoff up the middle was dead. The to, thing is, look, um, Ryan, was Clark that... was, Ryan Clark was talking about his hand up up the middle. You're reading Cameron Jordan, future Hall of Famer. He bites in. You go around, you're meeting Demario Davis, like borderline Hall of Fame type like quality player. He's not as much of a household name, so I don't know if he'll make it, but like that level of player. 
and you make them look silly in the hole on a fourth down where you got to have it. And you end up winning the game because of it. I mean, that's crazy. He made some some high-level plays in this game. Um, but, Dad, that's actually one of my positives that I'll just dive into right now is Jordan loves mobility today. Um, he was their leading rusher on the day. Nine carries for 39 yards. He was pressured 11 times but only sacked once and had multiple huge run this, runs in this game. The Like we were just talking about, that fourth and goal for the touchdown, for the first touchdown of the game for the Packers. Um, the 24 yarder up the left sideline on the on the game winning drive stay, was a he massive stays in play. Bounds. And, and stays in bounds. When he gets the, the the edge on the rusher there, it doesn't look like he's quite got the angle, and he just beats him with you know, with enough speed to get all the way around him untouched, and then um, use Dobbs's block, I think it was, to gain even more yards as he. Um, just tight ropes and down the sideline. The thing is, I would say, like, going into this season, I, I was like, yeah, Love's, like, a good athlete, but he's not, like, a great athlete. I thought I thought he was, like, a, a plus athlete, but nothing super. He has shown, I think, more with his legs these three weeks than I I had thought he was capable of. Like, he can he can scoot a little bit. And I think the first one that yes, really opened my eyes. And he's been aggressive. Yes. The first one that really opened my eyes was the run against Atlanta last week where he's just, like, he smokes a, a, an end. Like to the oh, corner, like then he, then he cuts back peasy. inside, and then he goes around the edge, and then he cuts back inside. Hey, that cut back inside was the exact move he put on Demario Davis. It was exactly the same one where he just the hard plant on the right leg and cut inside. Didn't get it versus Atlanta. Got it versus New Orleans when it mattered more. So we'll take it. But yeah, that was my next positive on the day was Love's mobility. I mean, the the I know that Alante Taylor got him for the sack from the slot blitz, but the one right before that he spins out of essentially that same mm. unblocked blitz and yeah. gets out, gets away from it. And I think he scrambled for a, like a few yard gain on that one, but yeah, turning negative plays. Yeah, that might've been like a five yard, five yard gain on that when it should have been I a five yard loss. I think it was, but yeah, turning something like, like that. obvious negative plays into even small positives is awesome. And that's the kind of mobility that I think we talked about a little bit in our lead up to this season where it's like, Oh, like loves mobility is going to be a big thing. Cause even though I didn't, I didn't consider him to be like super hyper mobile. I was like, it's more than we've had. And we talked about how um, expected points added from scrambles are way higher than drop, like than a standard dropback would be then in or then in terms of a pass attempt would be, I should say. But I mean, it's been great so far to see him be able to get out and move, be able to move in the pocket, move, move out of the pocket. He doesn't, he's not getting like, like, scared to stay in the pocket either he's not abandoning it too early it feels like the timing and the rhythm are all there but yeah i wanted to talk about the mobility for him because it's looked great dad what was your next positive for the offense because i we got a lot to talk about here we could even go to negatives and come back to positives i don't know take take us wherever you want to go so um i want to talk more about sort of the the flow and structure of the fourth quarter um in order to make the comeback their last there's their three scoring drives to take the lead of the fourth quarter they got a field goal in a minute 54, a touchdown in a minute 21, and another touchdown in two minutes and 27 seconds on offense. Yeah. So their, their ability to kind of run hurry up and put up, I guess it was 18 points in seven minutes of game time-ish was really impressive. And, and that's what I thought. The way the, And so the ability to kind of stay composed, stay on schedule, move the ball in a hurry and and put points on the board when they were running out of time. It was really impressive. Yeah. Really impressive. 
I have a question. What do you think? Because I was having this discussion with someone on the drive where they fail the fourth and goal to Patrick Taylor at the start of the fourth quarter. Do you think they should have kicked a field goal? Because <laughs> I did in hindsight. Me, well, yes, Cause, okay. Because they were down at the time. Because they were they were down three scores. A field goal cuts three scores. Two scores. So a field goal a field goal helped them. It wasn't three yeah. touchdowns. And that that was my thought was like you cut it to two scores here. Does that make more sense than going for a touchdown? I need to look at the actual numbers themselves. But that was like my thought, and I was wondering if you had an opinion on that. I think in the moment, I was like, they should probably kick the field goal and get it down to two scores. The field goal, because I was like, the field goal actually has value in this scenario of where you are in the game. And you may only get two more possessions. That was the other thing at the time. It's like, okay, we're already into the fourth quarter. You may, you may only get the ball two more times. Um, yeah. Now, there is maybe a little bit at play when you get so deep into the opposing territory. Does yeah, your the probability of, of scoring a touchdown go up high enough where you take the chance? Yeah. If you're further back, That's, getting that first down doesn't necessarily guarantee you're getting a touchdown out of it. But when you get that close, your probability of getting a touchdown if you get the first down, or even on that play, is higher. And so that yeah. is something I didn't look into the details. But in the moment, I was like, ah, maybe, maybe they should have taken um, – and it's always it's I'm trying not to have it just be a hindsight is 2020 type thing where I was like at the time I was like should they kick the field and I was like is that is that pro analytics or anti analytics to just cut it to two scores here I was like I can't tell which is which is the math play here but anyway that was just my thought I, I think I think aside. the math play is more than I had researched is basically probably your probability of getting a touchdown if you get a first down that close to the end zone. Yeah, and, and and with the probability of you getting the first down is also right. important to keep in mind there yes. as well. Yes, yeah, of course. And and tacking on to the fact that the probability of just getting into field goal range on a later drive as opposed to needing a touchdown on a later drive because that's added right. difficulty there. Because if you get the touchdown there, you only need to get to, like, the 35. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot a of there's a lot of factors of there and amount of time left. Et cetera, et cetera. How, how if you think the Saints are going to score again? Thankfully, the Packers defense held up, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But Dad, let's keep moving because we got a lot to talk about. We're already getting long on time, and we're only still on the offense. Some more positives I had to talk about was the young tackles in this game um, going into this week. The Saints edges Jordan, uh, Cameron Jordan, and Carl Granderson had eleven pressures each, which would have put both of them at fourth in the league, tied with each other. Um, according to Brad Spielberger of PFF. Um, through the past two weeks, uh, Rashid Walker has zero pressures allowed on true pass sets. Uh, and he's the only tackle in the league with at least 25 true pass sets to have zero pressures. A true pass set is like non-screens, um, non-spikes, real dropbacks, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so very impressed with what Walker and Tom were able to do to get today. I didn't think they let Jordan and Granderson take over the game much at all. Um, they protected love pretty well, only allowed one sack, 11 pressures total on the day, uh, for love. And those aren't even just all like, th those aren't even pressures that were earned by the just pressures that were earned by the offensive line. Those are ones that were also just on blitzes and stuff. So yeah, gr I think a great day for the tackles in particular, the interior struggled at times, but, 
Uh, and the, the run blocking wasn't great from anyone today, which we'll talk about. But the pass protection from the young tackles was excellent today. Excellent. Or yesterday, I'll say. <laughs> this week. Or last week. Nope, still this week. Yeah. Depends how you want to count it, doesn't it? But yeah, no, I, I thought the, the line impressed. It's the uh, weekend. Oh. It's both the back end and the front end of the week. All mashed together. Yeah. But so, yeah, that was my next positive. Dad, anything more positives you wanted on the offense? I have one more. Um, and we could talk about negatives next if you'd like. So I had basically, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, Love's performance in the hurry-up offense overall. I, I went through and calculated what his QB rating would have been. I used to uh, put in the numbers for his last the last four possessions to prove uh, calculate on pro football reference. And so he gets a 97 QB rating, but I couldn't put in like the complete, the pass completion for the two point conversion. And I don't know what mm. that would do to it's it. It's weird how, and nor, isn't it weird how and, two point conversions don't like get counted anywhere? Don't like, really exist. Call it? It like two race still because, has no catches. Yeah. Well, no, he has, he has uh his catch. Oh, did he, did he get credited credit with the catch? Oh, in, in this game, I thought you meant just in general. I thought when I you meant said this still, game. I was like, oh. No, no, yeah. I meant even though he got the catch in the two-point conversion, I don't think that counts. Does that count as a catch in stats? Does, I don't think it does either. I don't think any of the stats yeah. count from two-point conversion, which, you know, is kind of wild. Yeah. Yep, they got three targets, no catches for Toure, but he had one of the most right. important plays of the but game. He, and... um. And nor does it nor does it even take into account his uh, um, the rushing that he had there, where he had the twenty four yard run, and um, I think a, a five yard run in those possessions, where he's able to get uh, basically yeah, and, and move these the are, ball these are really places, efficiently. These are places where EPA per play, I think, at times is a better stat because it's taking mm-hmm. into account the plays that you're making there, and you can also split it by just like pure dropback and pass attempt, you know. I think there are flaws yeah. with every stat, but that's a that's a place where I think EPA is is better. Right, and plus he had the 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 two uh, long DPI that yes. contributed to a drive that don't count in any offensive numbers. Yeah, but in but, some ways, uh, yeah. Are I, but more on the more on that penalty. hurry up offense. That anything you wanted to add there, just in general, how he performed that whole fourth quarter. I just thought he was really in command. It's and less of the. He still had a, an off target here or there, but a little bit less of that. He was able to hit the hit the receivers when he needed to. He had one that was off to this uh, off target to Musgrave, I think at one point. Yeah, um, and and but he's that, able to that still was the second him. in the second and ten on the goal line to Musgrave, right. where he ends up hitting Jaden Reed on third and ten. Yeah, right. So he's still able to make, and he's also able to make third down conversions as well with that one with that um, pass to, to Reed. Mean, he he started slow. But he ended really strong, and in a lot of ways, willed the team. And my my last positive here, so we can we can keep this thing on the rails, is I too late. I know, right? I in I liked the way. So I have some comments just on the skill positions. Um, I thought the general split of the targets in this game was good. Uh, Dobbs had twelve, Musgrave had eight, Reed had seven, and Wicks had six. I'll be interested to see what happens when Watson hopefully eventually comes back. How that split ends up being. Um, then some other comments on the skill position. Some really sick catches by Romeo Dobbs in this game. Some absolutely filthy catches by him and by Jaden Reed in this game. Um, and then the other was Musgrave. I really liked his early involvement. Overall for the game, eight targets, six catches, 49 yards, two third down conversions. That's pretty great. And then, Dad, Keyshawn Nixon on offense. Just kind of fun. <laughs> who? Just kind of throwing some spice in there. Hi, who, 
What Packers player had the highest PFF grade on offense uh, this week? It's got to be Keyshawn, right? One carry, 11 yards. We'll take that. And the thing is, if it's blocked a little better, like Tyron Matthew makes a great play to split the two lead blockers. And like he doesn't get Nixon, but he slows him up and pushes him to the sideline. If it's blocked up a little better, like he might be going for 30 or 40 or to the house because there was some more space out there to be had. And you can see as he's coming around the corner there, he's just running the same style as I've got a kickoff return in my hands now. It's time. To, it's time to go. Here's my question: If he's on the field and you're the defense, who do you think is getting the ball? Who do you <laughs> think is, is getting the, the ball? It's like it's not exactly a secret. Like I, I can't yeah. believe they did. Like you know, it's like who is who do you think is getting the ball here? What are we like? What are like? Ooh, like he's really gonna block. A decoy once. <laughs> yeah, he's really gonna block for us on this one. That's definitely why he's out there. No, yeah, I don't. So I don't yeah, really know I think I heard somebody suggest this. Like, should Keyshawn be running back too? We have well. Let's move to the negatives, Dad, because the running game, as as good as the end of this game was, the running game is an absolute mess right now. Which we kind of hinted at um, when we talked a little bit about. Jordan Love being the leading rusher for the Packers in this game. But, Dad, just, you know, take it away because the Packers are really struggling to run the ball pretty much since Aaron Jones went out. And even last year when they had him at times. Like, it's a two-year problem at this point. The run blocking is bad. Dylan looks bad. Take it away. So the run blocking was even worse than last week's and the worst of the year so far with a PFF grade of only 47.4. So we thought it was bad last week where it had gone down from week one. And that, and then, so as a kind of measure for how good the line is doing and uh, who's to blame for like, for example, Dylan's bad runs, it's a, it's a little, it's everybody's involved in that. So calculating from PF Dylan, um, Dylan's yards before contact for our running back. So he's only getting 0.32 yards before contact per attempt. And was that this game or for the was that this game or for the season? That's for the season. It was a little bit better this week. This week it was zero point four five before contact. Baxter Taylor's only getting zero point two yards before contact per carry, and um, and this game he was got zero point three three, and Jones got the most at one point nine three. So. Dylan and Patrick Taylor, they're ranking in the league amongst all running backs so far. 73rd um, fewest yards before contact for Dylan and 81st fewest. So I say the 73rd most. So he's like in the the most yards per contact, Dylan is 73rd and Taylor's 81st. So way down the list. You mean Um, in in terms of yards yards before contact per attempt? Yards before contact per attempt. So there are, I think number one is like, H Devon HN like ten or yeah, something crazy. That but, tracks, but but uh, but the Packers are getting less than a half a yard um, before the first contact. So they're being basically met at the line of scrimmage on average every time. And it and it tracks when you watch them play because like and we'll talk. I think we should let's first talk about the line and then we'll talk about Dylan and Patrick yeah. Taylor and, because and, I and, I don't think and, Dylan's I don't think Dylan's doing like great either but the line is bad no i've got I mean, some notes on blocking. that too yeah and so and I'll, only I'll tom and walker as just continuing on the run blocking 
only Zach Tom and Rashid Walker had above even above average run blocking grades for this game. All three yeah, I mean, interior linemen were below average. The run blocking has in been the 40s bad. Or 50s. The run blocking has been bad for since the the entire last year and so far this year. I mean, some of it's on Dylan. If you go to Andy Herman's Twitter, he has a clip essentially where there is just a wide open hole and Dylan doesn't take it. And then there are ones where anytime they seem to run any kind of pitch play, the guy's getting hit five yards behind the line every single time. They need to stop can, running those. Throw those can out. Can we please retire that sweep wide left? It doesn't matter who runs it. No. Wilson got buried for a five-yard loss. Jones got... I would, Dylan got buried for five yard loss. I think it's Taylor, never it's like blocked. Three different guys it's lose like never, five yards. Ever blocked right? Never there are ever, three, ever blocked right. The three times they've run it, there've been three unblocked defenders there to bury the ball carrier. And it's like, are they? Oh, one was Jade Reed. That's it, the other one. Are they executing it Reed? well in practice? Well, that the Reed one is different because I think that was an option. Um, that wasn't just a strict like like pitch they're like they're not even running like regular like pitches right at this point at times where it's like they're, they're just getting so many negative plays because the, they're just getting blown up at the line and even when they're not just getting like allowing instant penetration they're not getting much push either so it's like it's bad but dad uh, i'm gonna send it back to you to talk a little bit about dylan versus taylor and maybe throw in a little bit because i know we're going to talk about and things that made us think the running back pitch count throw that in too because in this game we saw that patrick taylor got steadily as the game went along more work than Dylan in a lot of ways. And Matt LaFleur said that was just a product of how the game was going and hurry up. You believe what you want to believe. It definitely seemed like they were just kind of feeling like Taylor gave him a better chance to win at that point. Um, And something to keep in mind is that Patrick Taylor has used up his three call-ups from the practice squad. So if they want to use him again this week, they're going to need to add him to the active roster. But dad, Patrick Taylor and AJ Dylan talk about it a little bit. Talk about what Dylan is struggling with numbers wise Go on. Yeah, so... Give it to me straight. Give it to me straight. So Taylor, this game just looks... Just looks like he's better. And, and so they, they're saying he's better in the hurry-up. They want to use him in hurry-up. He's... he's all, In addition to the, the both being kind of suffering from running into contact, so maybe you could say, like, well, the reason Dylan's running into contact is not because there's no holes open for him, because he just runs into... Uh, you know, runs into Guara, runs into offensive linemen. But I guess that's not... That's, does, does contact with your own teammate count? I don't believe so, no. Not in these stats. <laughs> yards before contact. But missing um, the hole could lead, could lead to a poor yards before contact. Oh, yeah. But the point you, is the, neither... But the point is neither of them are having it blocked well for them. No. and But when it comes to yards after contact, Dylan is, in addition to being like 73rd in yards before contact... He's 96th in the league in yards after contact per attempt. And Taylor with like 2.38. And Taylor is 57th. So still not great, but substantially better with uh, three yards uh, after contact per attempt. Yeah. I mean, currently, and, and Taylor's Dylan also is averaging. Dylan is currently averaging for the season 2.7 yards 2. 7. per attempt. Yeah. That's wretched. That's really bad. Yeah, it's really bad. We it's talked really, about really that. Bad. You know, yeah, and and I don't know why he's gotten. He seems to have got, gotten worse every year of his career so far. He started off better, and he's been being less efficient, less productive with every year. But yeah, and Taylor's well. They, there's not 
does have many snaps in like pass pro or pass blocking snaps, but he has given up a sack. So his blocking grade is also not as good as Taylor's. But pretty much that whole fourth quarter, they were going with Taylor out there and he did mess up on the fourth down, which I'll talk about in a second where it well, unclear if he either stopped running or love and him weren't on the same page or love overthrew him. But whichever way, like they should have had a conversion there and he did, one of them didn't execute. But then he also had some pretty big like third down conversions. Um, he was they were using him in the pass game out wide and he was getting first downs like they, he was making mm-hmm. some plays out there that Dylan has so far this year not made. And anything more you want to add on there? Because I, I feel like it's almost like we talked a little bit about, bit about going into this game. It's like we wanted to see a more even split between Dylan and the next two running backs on the list. Manuel Wilson didn't wow me at all in this game. He was fine. He seemed a little tentative hitting his holes a little bit. And it felt like he wasn't running like full bore, I guess. But uh, Patrick Taylor had a good game. And I th- I think I wouldn't hate to see more of him getting some of those running back snaps as long as Jones is out. And maybe even after Jones is back. We'll see. Um, Dad, anything more you yeah, wanted to add I, on I would the say performance of the running backs? One thing, I felt like actually early on in the game. I felt like early on, and, and, and I agree with what you're going to say, I think. Dylan was looking good. Yes. The first, he was, the he first was, bit of the game, he was looking better than he had the weeks one and two. And then it just kind of, he had like two or three nice runs where he he was hitting the hole with some fury. He looked like he was like being very decisive. Yeah, he, he looked like he had like more burst yards, than he'd had. Eight yards, seven yards. More burst um, than he'd had actually, in years. Yeah. He, and then it just kind of, yeah, then there wasn't anything it more. It fizzled out for him. Yeah, and part so of it, I think, is the blocking. That, that happened. Yeah. He's almost like, he's the kind of runner where you have to get him past the first guy. But the thing is, you say that, but he can't make a guy in the open field miss either. So no, but by that time he's got a momentum and he's gonna. No, I know, I know. He's he's better. He's better when you can get him up to speed. But every running back is better when you can get them up to speed and have an open hole for them. So it's like if he's not because he's not even when it's blocked for him, he's not going to make an explosive play. He's never going to give you fifteen or twenty yards, even if it's a massive hole. The best is like if there's a if there's a medium sized hole, he'll get you eight to ten yards because he can drag guys from six yards to the ten yard mark. But like and that's what, what he the, was doing a little bit in the beginning of the game. Yeah, but so when it's perfectly blocked up for you, you're going to give us nine yards. Is pretty much what we're getting out of Dylan right now because even when he looked good at the beginning of the game, and I agree he looked good, he looked more spry than he had the first two weeks. It's still not like like. Is the juice worth the squeeze? He's so not a like, home run hitter. But, like, is the juice worth the squeeze? So if it's blocked up poorly, you're not going to get anything. If it's blocked up well, you're going to get 10 yards. You're never going to have a carry more than 15. Is it worth it? Like, is that is that worth it? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm not willing to say the book is written on Dylan yet, but it's been really bad. It's been really bad. But anyway, more negatives. So, let's see, let's, uh, so here's the thing. So his... I just gotta pull this up right now. His long carry every year, rookie year, a long of thirty. Second year, a long of thirty-six. Last year, a long of twenty-seven, and so far this year, a long of fourteen. I think that was in this game because going into this game, he had a long of eight. Yeah, yeah. So it, it it's yeah it's and and he had a really nice third down conversion on a little dump off like screen left early in the game. Um. I Where think it was a third that and one ten, may and have actually they counted as a run. Okay, that's that I think his fourteen-yard run. Yarder. 
because it was actually thrown behind him. Um, I mean, sorry, but that it was thrown backwards, and so it counted as a run, and that's the fourteen yard run. But that was a nice play. That was very good. But like, yeah, I, I mean, know, he, he 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 wove through some of the defenders and ran the last like three over to gain some extra yards. But even the good plays, like, aren't particularly exp- even his best plays are like good. They're like it's like wow, that's a good play. But like, I, I don't know. We could talk about Dylan all day, though, Dad. My next negative for the Packers offense was the fourth down execution. Actually, before I talk about the fourth down, can we talk about penalties? Can we talk about penalties in this Oh, that's game? one of my negatives, too. I just have the four, the four offensive line penalties, especially at the I, beginning of the game. I, was, I mean, ugh, so, it was driving me bonkers. So per Zach Cruz, the Packers had a penalty on their first six non-kneel-down drives. So on each of their first six drives, it was in some ways affected by a penalty. And it's a bad problem all over the place, not just on offense. So according to NFLPenalties.com, which tracks like number of flags thrown, uh, number of penalties accepted, et cetera, et cetera, the Packers have had 33 total flags against them, which is the most in the league. And then according to PFF, uh, which splits them by offense, defense, and special the teams. Most in the um, league. Yeah, most in the league. I knew it They're was averaging bad. 11 a game. Um, according to PFF, this doesn't count, and PFF doesn't count team penalties. I think these are just like uh, on the individual and uh, doesn't count declined, I don't believe. But they have 14 penalties on offense, 10 penalties on defense, and 7 penalties on special teams. And I'll get in a big rant on special teams later. But the penalties pretty much just routinely screwed them on drives the whole first half. I mean, the first play of the game, it's first and 25. And that was just emblematic of the entire first half. They went hold, false start to open the game. And that was like, yeah, that's the first half. You just needed to watch that one play. That's how the first half went for the Packers offense. You can just skip the They had like six penalties in the first quarter or something. It was racking up fast. And uh, misalignment, holding, false starts. They're averaging over like, I think, nine accepted penalties per game, which is second. And Carolina's first. The league leader last year was 6.8 or something like that. <laughs> it's, like, absurd how many penalties they have in this game for a team that, like, I would say otherwise is fairly well coached at times. But, Dad, yeah, that was my ne- next negative. And then the the one after that, since we need to, to keep moving through this, was the fourth down execution. I mean, the first fourth down, I can't even explain it with words. Go watch it. There's the They hand off right, number one. Why is Emmanuel Wilson the one running that play who is your least experienced running back? I don't, so they run it right. Emmanuel Wilson throws it across the field back to Jordan Love, and it's wide open. He's going to throw it down the left sideline oh, for a touchdown pretty much. Is... But the ball bounces to him, and Jordan Love has to do the splits. And I, I think if I had done that, would have I would have killed I'm, both I'm my so, knees if I had done that. I'm so happy it didn't hurt himself. But the thing is, the, the overall design of the play was good. Oh, the design is excellent. But the, why the is Emmanuel Wilson... wide, wide, wide open. But why are you running it with your least experienced running back? What is... Where is the logic there? Deception? Run, Deception? You're deceiving yourself. Because the thing that a guy... <laughs> this is, this is, is the case of LaFleur getting a little too cute sometimes. I don't he even know if it's too cute. I don't know if that's LaFleur, be though. Clever. Because I don't know if that's LaFleur. Because it's usually the position coaches who decide like when to rotate in players. Well, whoever, I don't this know. is something that the Packers have done for a number of years. I don't, where I don't think it's they're being a, a little bit too. I don't smart. think it's a. T- I don't think it's a too cute thing at all because, you, like you said, the play design was right. 
The play design was perfect. The execution was bad. The players they put in that position were were well, not the, the right part players I'm to about put. Being a little bit too cute, they're trying to I, see. I don't think be that's a little a too, too cute smart thing. By picking, I don't think they're. I don't that, think they're uh, trying to player. be. No, no? I, I don't think they're trying to be too cute doing then, it. Then what excuse do you have for them putting? I, putting I think that's Wilson just in there a, then a complete overlooking error because I don't think they're doing it with a set plan in mind. Like oh, because Wilson's in. The, you really think if Dylan's in, they're going to be like, you really got to watch for the throwback here because AJ Dylan's in. Like with it, with him in, it's way more. It's way more likely they do that than with Wilson. No, no one is. It doesn't matter who you put back there. No one is expecting you to do a throwback to the quarterback there. No one in their right mind is expecting that. And so to me, it's just oversight. I don't understand. Like, like you're not checking before you run the play that you have the personnel out there that's the most likely to complete the pass. And then the other fourth down, like we already talked about, Love and Taylor are not on the same page. They go one of three on fourth down today, and it ends up leading to you know what it probably could have been a more convincing win. And I'm not going to complain about the win they had, but if we're saying negatives, fourth down execution is definitely a negative for me there. Yeah, and I don't know who was to who was at fault on that one to uh, Taylor, because he kind of sits down. It looks to me like he's sitting down on the route, not that he's just stopping running. And Love is expecting him to keep to keep running downfield. And the thing is, like, he sits down and he is open, and they, it was only yeah. like two yards for a first down. So it's like, I see why he's sitting down. He's wide open at the first down yard, like at the first down marker, like. I, I don't know. It's tough. It's impossible to know who's at fault there. But general execution, someone messed up. Um, but that was my next negative. Uh, Dad, what did you have for your last uh, negative for that one? So one other thing is, especially showed up through the, the middle of the um, game, is the, the the young receiver's strength at the catch point. So according to Zach Cruz on Twitter, the Packers were just 3 of 13 in contested catch situations in this game, and are just 5 of 22 on the season. And you can see that come up where the ball gets knocked out. Um, I thought that Toure was... Contact. I thought Toure was the biggest culprit of this today. It felt like the ball hit his hands. Like I know they're, I know it's tough catches, but like the ball hit his hands like multiple times where he didn't. He just didn't come up with it, and I was like, ah, just fight a little harder, man. Like you, You're right there. Yeah, and, and it also happened to to Reed and um, Heath. Dobbs it happened and, to Malik Heath once. It happened Heath to, twice. Yeah, maybe. I if if they wanted to like just scrap the Heath and Toure snaps and give all those snaps to Wicks. Give them to Wicks. Wicks has looked Wicks looks a player. Wicks looks good. Wicks looks much better yeah. than them. No offense to them, but like Wicks looks much better than them. But yeah, yeah, they're they're having trouble. They're young. I'm not too worried about it, but it's definitely like a, an interesting stat because three of thirteen is bad. That's like not good. Please, like fifty fifty, like make a play on the ball. Your hands should be better than the DBs. That's all I'm gonna say. Yes, um, yes, your hands should be better. That's why they're DBs. Yeah, exactly. But um, that my final negative was, uh, you know, I thought Jordan Love was really awesome in the fourth quarter. Showed a lot of poise and moxie, but you know for Stretches of the game, he he definitely struggled with accuracy, um, especially on the deep ball. Uh, he missed Musgrave badly up the seam early. Um, I don't think it was mess- maybe not necessarily as bad as it looked because I think Musgrave kind of flattened out the route a little bit, but he still would have missed him. It's like still a, an op- a miss on an open guy like running downfield is not good. Um, he underthrew a few shots down the sideline. Um, and then, you know, just uh, general stat- advanced stats don't love Love's performance, 
Um, I do think like they obviously don't take into account the context of missing half your line, missing your best weapons, having no run game to support you. Like those are all, and like just your team committing a billion penalties and putting you behind the sticks at every turn. But 15th in EPA per play, this is per rbsdm.com, 15th in success rate, last among qualifying quarterbacks in completion percentage, third to last in completion percentage over expectation. Just now, is that some of is that for the season? Is that for the season or just this week? Just just this week, because um, that's yeah, just because this completion percentage over expectation has been poor all season. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing for him is like improving, hitting some of the gimmies and hitting some of the open guys because some of the flashes are insane. Like he's throwing some crazy throws. The fact that he was able to battle this team back and lead this team back is awesome. But he's just got to you know. Just the next step is hitting some of those easy ones. But, Dad, that's the last thing we had to say about the offense. We talked about the offense for a lot of time. There was a lot to say. Um, anything more you want to add, or should we move on to the defense? Let's move on to the defense uh, Get and give them a little bit a little bit of shine. Yeah, a little bit of shine and, you know, maybe a little bit of not shine. Do you want to start with positives or negatives? What do you want to start with here? Remember, we're ending on special teams, so we're ending negative either way, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> because the special teams has got awful. Yeah. But anyway, defense. So I'll, I'll let's I'll, okay, I'll st- I guess I'll start with that. Should we start with the positives? You know what? I'm gonna start with the negatives. We're gonna, okay. gonna start with the negatives, then go to positives. So one of the bad things I had, and actually actually don't have that much bad on defense. So, but the, that that last drive, letting them march down the field so easily in 47 yards in one minute and 46 seconds in seven That's plays bad. to get into, and they got into field goal range in only four plays. I mean, seven plays because they were like basically trying to kill some more of the clock by running those last three plays. So it's yeah, like to four me, plays to get into field goal range is the part that was really disheartening. It's not because- good. It's n- it's not good at all. To me, though, you know, the reason they were able to move it down that far is because you have Corey Valentine and Chris Olave, which is a mismatch. But the reason you have Corey Valentine on Chris Olave is because you're missing like half of your corners. So to me, like the there's a little Valentine had actually there. Valentine had been in for like, I think I the whole second half. So he'd actually. But I think we, let's, you should give him a few props, though. You know, so he's saying, yeah. No, I, I'm and, not. I'm not and, criticizing him. I'm saying the fact that Olave they're down made. to their. Yes, a freak play. Like you essentially that was a had great an uncoverable catch by on that play. You essentially had an uncoverable play on your sixth corner versus a top. I would say ten, like ten to ten to twelve, like receiver in the league. Like to me, like that's why I'm like it is a negative because like you can't. You can't do that. You can't after your offense and and the defense like not allowing any points in the second half, which is major positive. Um, and then like you fought so hard to get this lead, and then you just crumble. This the the second you really need to stop, you crumble. But at the same time, it's like you're working with scraps on the back end there. Like you you already have major question marks at safety, and then you're back down to like you're losing most of your corners. It's it to me, it's like yeah, that's a negative. But I, it's hard for me to get too mad. But also at the same time, if they had lost this game, I would have been very mad. I'm sure. So it's a bit of a, you know, no harm, no foul, I guess, in some ways. But I agree. I, you can't let them just drive into field goal range, especially like a 46 yard field goal in a minute when you just need one stop to win the game, and it worked out. But yeah, uh, my my first negative for the defense. Unless did you want to add anything there? No, once you go. Uh... Um, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think mine was just like they did get sacks in this game, um, and I thought the D line played really well against the run, uh, specifically. 
they didn't have that many pressures in this game, which I thought was kind of interesting. And part of it was probably a time to throw issue. Uh, but we talked about pregame that the Saints offensive line was not very good. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, week one, the Packers had 36 pressures on 49 dropbacks. Week two, the Packers had 25 pressures on 38 dropbacks. And then this week, that's all the way down to 13 pressures on 38 dropbacks, which is not very much. And not very much, especially when you consider that the Saints offensive line has not been playing very well. And, you know, most of that was just Rashawn Gary being a freak of nature, which we'll talk (laughs) about in a second. But, like, I I think that's a negative for me is that you weren't able to get as much pressure. I did still think the D-line played well at times. And then the others, like, early on, I felt like they were giving up a lot of extra yards on checkdowns. Um, especially like when the, when the saints were scoring, it was like, they were just having checkdowns go for like 10 yards. Like Chris Olave on an early second and nine is 12 yards because they're actually not lined up. Right. Carrington Valentine is sprinting across the field to get to the right side of the field. And they run a play as he's like getting in position. And then Tony Jones goes for eight yards on a dump off to the flat on a third down conversion because Quay and Rasul get put into conflict and it's not communicated who has like the flat there. Um, and then later Juwan, uh, Jones gets like seven yards on like a second and 11 and makes it third and manageable or some, uh, I think that was, I think that was what it was, but yeah. So like, those are my negatives for the defense. I think overall the defense had like a really solid game. Um, but I'm, i I do feel like yeah. I'm nitpicking I mean, they only a little gave bit up for negatives. 10 points. The defense only gave up 10 points. Yeah. So th- that's really an excellent game overall. Yeah. Because so we're, 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 we're they gave, the team gave up. Yeah, the team gave up 17. Seven of those were on a Rashid Shahid punt return touchdown where the special teams were just totally out to lunch. Like, I don't know what they were doing. But, I mean, I will t- Dallin Levitt, I am incensed because this is your only job. And you messed up twice on that play, I'm pretty sure. But we'll talk about special teams in a bit. Dad, let's move to positives, or did you have any other negatives? You want to just finish that special team since we've already started the rant? Might as no, well. then go I, have, I have so much more to say about the special teams, and I will talk about okay. it at the end. I have, I have problems with the special teams. So starting off with that, I'm going to just talk about the fourth quarter. because, But overall, the, the defense played well the whole game, but they basically gave them a chance to make the comeback by severely restricting the amount of time that New Orleans possessed the ball. Um, after they failed to get that fourth down conversion and I was worried like oh, well they're going to just run out of time now um, the Green Bay defense in the next three drives three plays eight yards two minutes eight seconds five plays 20 yards two minutes 40 seconds three plays seven yards a minute 32 so over three drives they only had what seven minutes um, was that less than seven minutes seven minutes Around seven, we can say around seven minutes, but that, that's that's exceptional. It's kind of ins- insane that they, so that they g- and gave the offense yes, there enough is, time. To- yes, there is the caveat that Derek Carr was knocked out of this game at the start of the third quarter, but Jameis Winston's probably the best backup in the league, right? Like, or if he's not the best, he's a top two or top three. Like Jameis Winston, it, I'm sure the Jets would be ecstatic if Jameis Winston yeah. was their starting quarterback. <laughs> like. He's not a slouch, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and it wasn't like he was doing that much worse than Carr was for most for a lot of the game. When Carr had a lot of time, he did okay, but he didn't have a whole lot of time when when Gary was on the field. No, it did not. And you know, do you want to talk a little bit about Gary? Because I mean, man, what a beast! I, was, I could just jump in like Gary. Sean Gary is him, as they say. He Three was- sacks. 
bullying Ryan Ramchick, who is an all-pro yeah. right tackle. The only good line. Yep. I don't know why you're lining him up on their only good lineman. I don't know why. I, like, I, maybe he likes the challenge. and it, But it worked. So <laughs> I'm not going to question it. And they put an extra lineman on his side one time, too. And he well, abused that guy. The thing is, they put an extra lineman over on his side, but only the extra lineman blocked him. Like, blocked him. <laughs> like, like Ramchick's blocking someone else. So essentially, you just brought in your sixth lineman. <laughs> As a one-on-one matchup for Gary, which, you know, just great game That was game actually kind of amusing. Um, but, yeah, so he th- three three sacks and another hit on only 23 snaps. So only 20 of them were pass rushing. Um, he had, like, more so he, than, he had like half their pressures alone. Just him. I think he had five pressures. And, they had, they and had he what? played less than half of the snaps. Yeah. He played 23 of their 61 defensive snaps. And, and you know... He three sacks on the day. One of them knocks Derek Carr out of the game. It sounds like that injury is not as bad as we feared, so that's good for him. But he did leave with a shoulder injury. But even when Carr was in there, I mean, I didn't think like he was he was causing havoc. The whole line was causing them havoc. I mean, my one of my positives is the Packers' third down defense, and that kind of ties into this pass rush idea because I think two of Gary's sacks were on third down, um, and then the other sack they had, Kenny Clark, it was his was also on third down on the first drive. But they held the Saints to four of fourteen on third downs and three of eight with Carr back there. So not great with just Carr back there either. It wasn't just like I mean, Jameis went one of six, but Carr went three of eight's not great. And that's compared to the Saints, they went seven of sixteen against Tennessee on third down and seven of sixteen against Carolina. And those are some pretty strong defenses too. So you essentially outperformed two very, very good defenses in Tennessee and Carolina in terms of like getting the Saints off the field on third down. That's there's nothing to Nothing to sniff at. Is that the is that a phrase? Nothing to sniff at. Sneeze Nothing at. to sneeze at. Nothing, Nothing to, to sneeze, sneeze at. at. Nothing to sneeze. So maybe at. if you sniff at, it, it's going to make you sneeze. Yeah, but no, that was but that was so my don't positive. Sniff at it. Is the third the third down defense was very good for the Packers in this game. Yeah, and overall they looked like a a, a high quality defense. Um, and I think was that the lowest point total for, well, for the Saints offense. No, I don't. I don't think so. Oh, 10? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. It would it would have to be, huh? Because they had what sixteen against the Titans? It was like sixteen fifteen. It was a, oh, a one scores. point win. Yeah. Yeah. Man, they're playing a lot of close games, huh? But yeah. Did you have another positive? I could keep going off of my other one is the D line played especially well against the run, held the Saints to under four yards per carry. Uh PFF credited them with twelve stops and five tackle for loss. Um it felt like they were really handling the Saints up front. Um on the back end, despite having mostly backups, they kept everything in front of them. Um, according to next gen stats, Carr only attempted two passes beyond 10 yards. Um, and that's like, honestly, also Which, shout out to Joe, a uh, shout out to Joe Barry. I was going to say, cause he's coaching around some major deficiencies on that back end. No Jair, no Valentine, still no Stokes against probably one of the best receiver trios in the league where Michael Thomas is the third best receiver there. I think Rashid Shahid is like really, really good. In my yeah, opinion. They, might they be managed to shut Thomas. Shahid out in, in receptions. Yeah, it's just and it's very interesting about the deep pass because Carr had actually I think been leading the league in average depth of target coming into this game. So the fact that they were able to do so much to limit the the deep shots is because both you know Alave and Shahid are are fully capable of of uh, catching some deep balls. Yeah, I mean, the only deep ball they hit was just like Olave making insane plays, like the one hander he had at the end of the first half, which also shot at the Packers for holding them to a field goal there. 
because that's huge too. Yes, where he caught it. What did he catch it like the five or a seven or somewhere around there? And that yeah, uh, what a freak where, where he's so they're good. counting counting his steps. Like I'm not sure we got his steps. Got all his feet in one, two, three, four. Oh, he's still going. But no, yeah, yeah. that was and an amazing so, play. Th- those are my main positives from the defense, Dad. What did what did did you have anything else you wanted to add there on defense, or should we rant about special? Well, the teams? one I should add that um, I put it in my made us think, but it's actually more of a positive. It's like the safeties are playing better than I had hoped for this year. Savage especially. Ford dis- Savage is actually playing Ford- good, but Ford was their highest graded PF like player per PFF. Yeah. He had seven tackles um, this week with no misses. And last week he had eight tackles and no misses. Um, and his NFL rating thrown into his coverage is only 39.6 the last two games. And then Savage, is, for this year so far, he's got the best run defense grade of his career, the best tackling grade of his career, and his best coverage grade since 2020. Yeah, he's so really, he's turned it around so far. Our safeties have been better than I think anybody was predicting they would be uh, on the offense so far yeah. this year. We haven't like played any super dynamic quarterbacks is the only thing. So I'm going to reserve like I'm going to wait on that one, but they're playing great. The only thing with Rudy Ford though is like man, he should have had two picks. There's like the prayer that De- that Derek Carr threw up that I think I saw someone tweet Rudy Ford just made the most unathletic play I've ever seen in my entire life from a safety where like he kind of just like flails at it. And then on the last drive, he really should have picked. He should have. Oh, that. he, he should have picked him. that thing. It's like, why? I'm was, like, you would have happened. It's like, why screaming. are you just batting at that ball? Don't knock screaming. it down. I said, House that thing. That, Rudy, pick that. Just yes. fall, fall over and pick it. Oh man, yeah. no! I was I was yelling because I was like because they were already in field goal range at that point. I was like, "You gotta pick yeah. that! Like the game is on the game is on the line." Uh, but it worked out, so it's fine. And he was their highest graded player for PFF, so that's fine. But yeah, no, the safety play has definitely been. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like it's going well so far. I'm gonna keep my eye on it. I'm not. I don't trust it yet, but it's been yeah. better than expected. Did you, did you have anything that made you think the other thing? One thing about what is the cornerback room going to look like on Thursday? Oh man! In terms of things to think about, um, I that's don't something know. we could maybe go into in our in our in our preview show. But just something like, whoa! Um, you I, had something. I, that's maybe a good a point. Bit. Mine was um, this was something that Justice Mosqueda pointed out in Acme Packing Company, and I wanted to talk about it here and see what you thought. But the thing that made me think was the D line snap counts. So week one, uh, Colby Wooden had thirty six snaps, while Carl Brooks had twenty nine. Week two, Colby Wooden had 36 snaps while Carl Brooks had 23. But then this week, Wooden saw his snaps cut all the way down to 10 while Carl Brooks had 28 snaps. So, Carl Brooks ahead of Colby Wooden on the depth chart now? Question mark? What do you think, Dad? It seems like it. And it, it does seem like um, Wooden was having a lot of trouble last week in run defense. Yeah, he and, makes some and nice Brooks less, plays. Even though... Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say wouldn't make some nice splash plays where he'll be in the backfield, he'll knife through, but then there will be plays where he's like just too small, blown and he's just getting his, he's just getting blown off the line, and it's not just him is the thing, but I think they just maybe feel more comfortable yeah. with Carl Brooks's size, like defending the run, I guess. Which yeah, it was it that he's doing maybe a better job defending the run, even though he's sort of made his hay as a um, in college as, as a pass rusher. Pass rusher, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. But the other thing is, like, more than anything, adjustments are good. 
changing things when think when the current status quo is not working. When you're getting demolished against the run and you gave up like 80 carry and Matt LaFleur's pissed all week that y'all were getting gashed in the run game, we made a change. We did something different, and it worked a little bit. Uh, not that the Saints are some world beaters on the ground, but it worked a little bit. So, you know, shout out shout out to the defensive coaching staff. That was some good changes. Um, that made me think, though, Dad, anything else on the defense, or should we move to the special teams where I can proceed to claw my eyes out for the entertainment of our <laughs> listeners? The unspe- unspecial. Yeah, the special yep. teams, the Wii fence. I'm going to go on a little rant here. Rich Bisaccio. Yeah, I, and I only have the one, just, uh, you know. No, no. About... I said I'm going to go on a, okay. I said I'm going to go on a rant. Here. Go on your full rant. I'll, 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 I, 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 I cede the floor. So the Packers gave up 17 points in this game. Seven of those 17 were on a Rashid Shahid punt return touchdown. Rich Bisaccio is the highest paid special teams coordinator in the league. This offseason, he was promoted to assistant head coach of the team. He has a whole set of players that he has brought over that are specifically there for special teams. Dolan Levitt, Eric Wilson, uh, Anderson, who doesn't even play. I'm not even really sure what he does here, but he's never active, but they brought him in for special teams. Keyshawn Nixon, he has him too, although his special teams role is kind of declined as, he, as he's become more important to the defense. But another, like, we're bringing in Bisaccia-specific guys. The Packers, per PFF, are currently the third worst special teams unit in the league. They had, they had seven, they have had seven special teams penalties on the in the league on the year, which is tied for most in the league. And we talked about, it's like, oh, the whole team's getting a lot of penalties. Like, they're already the most flagged team in the league. It's a young team. We talked about this going into the year. But last year, according to NFLPenalties.com, which tracks this thing, despite having the seventh fewest total penalties in the league, they had the third most special teams penalties last year, too. So if you're paying this guy record money, you're giving him promotion so he's more involved in, in decisions. Like, Don Levitt, who you brought in, specifically, who is your guy, who can't actually play safety. He's only there to play special teams. To me, and I'm I'm not a full expert on this, so this is just one person's opinion. To me, he blows the lane twice on the punt return. He breaks inside when his lane is outside right, and that's where Rashid Shahid initially finds the gap. And then as he's tracking back, he tracks back way too hard, way too hard, loses contain again, gets broken, like, and Rashid Shahid breaks to the inside, and instead of already like a negative like 30 probably like a 30 to 40 yard punt return allowed it's a touchdown because don levitt messes up twice in my opinion is how i saw the play uh, from the like overhead all 22 angle and i mean these are your guys you're that highly paid what are we doing like what are we doing the only positive you can say is knock on wood for right now the kicking has been good but other than that like you're paying him, and this was, I think, even more ironically, going against the special teams coordinator that you didn't hire, that Matt LaFleur wanted to hire, Darren Rizzi. I think his name is Darren, but his last name is Rizzi. And the, the front office or the ownership, or not ownership, but uh, Mark Murphy, the the like the like the head of the group. I can't believe I said ownership. I've, I hate that. Um, but they, they balked at essentially paying him like the highest paid special teams coordinator in the league, and that's why you didn't have Rizzi. It only takes you losing a playoff game to be willing to commit that amount of money to a special teams coordinator, apparently. But the one you picked 
is he really is he really worth the money? Like we don't have a good special teams. Am I crazy? What do you think, Dad? I've ranted. I've ranted enough. Yeah, this is the thing. Like last year's like, okay, we've improved a little bit. And the general consensus that I could hear was that, yeah, it probably takes more than one year to fix what was one of the worst special team units of the last 20 years. No, of all time. You can say of all time. It's, I, I was tempted, all time. but then I, I decided to tone it down. You can know you but can they were say that of bad. all time. They it lost you a playoff I, game. It, you can say of all time. You you lost. You're like so bad 16th. that one of the other. Well, do you remember one of the, the other the, bad special teams from that year? Took you, you know, and and beat you up at the behind the woodshed. Well, I mean, do you remember the Bears game, the second one? They lost like 16 expected points on special teams alone, or something insane like that. When they gave up like four million yard returns to whoever the Bears kick returner was at the time, guy who used to play for the Dolphins. I'm having trouble remembering his name, but oh, it wasn't. Did, but they. Did, but the point is, regular also the special teams. Person? No, it wasn't. The, it, the special teams was really, really, really bad two years ago, which allowed us to be like, okay, they're slightly below average this year. That's awesome. But then this year, it's the same mistakes. But you're paying way more for it. <laughs> like, what are we doing? I know it's early. I know it's early, it's, and I know the kicking, I'm, I'm the just kicking operation. The kicking operation has been good, but like, what more needs to be done? And I understand that he's missing players on the special teams unit too. Like, like for, with like as as people get injured and people get pushed into starting positions, they're not able to play as much special teams. Like, you're losing players there too. But the guys who are making mistakes are like Don Levitt and like guys who are always there and the guys who are only there to play teams. I don't get it. Whatever. Yeah, I'm I mean, mad. I'm I upset. Remember- I'm annoyed. And Ford is another guy who was Ford and Nixon were both brought in primarily as special yeah, but teams now they're players. Starting, and they were really good. Gun, they're really good gunners, and now yeah. I don't think they're available for that. Well, and then you lose Valentine, who's also a gunner for you on teams. You lose. Um, I think Lucas Van Ness was doing some some good some like uh, was doing some snaps on teams as well. Um, lost Tyler Davis before the season started. Yeah, I understand that you're like, but every unit, every unit is dealing with a short deck. The defense doesn't have all their guys. The offense doesn't have all their guys. What is the what is the team what is team's excuse? Like you committed seven penalties. Like I'm sure if we went like yes, the offense and defense have more, but they're also playing a lot more snaps. So I think on a penalty per snap basis, like you're probably the worst unit because they had like a hold in this game. Uh, they had the the delay of game in the last game that essentially cost them the game. I mean. I, I, it, it boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. It's not fun. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of it. But Dad, any more thoughts on special teams? Because Ed, it's it's not. I think it's that's not enough. good. We won this game. It's not good. It's I'm not good, good enough. <laughs> yeah, we won this let's game. Get the, but let's Dad, get the let's get the taste of special teams out of our mouth. That's true. Uh, and move on to something. Game, something more fun. Player of the game. Yes. Player of the game. And, hit us. Hit us with it. I went Rashawn Gary because he kept. I think he basically kept the Packers in this game when the offense was sputtering. Looking like one of the best pass rushers in the league. Um, he's number one in pressure percentage among edge rushers with more than 10 snaps. And he got three sacks this week um, despite despite playing fewer than half. And I think his, his disruption of the Saints offense kept the Packers in the game. 100% agree. My player of the game and- is... My player of the game is Jordan Love. Um, it wasn't pretty for a lot of the game, but when it came down to the fourth quarter... He kind of just willed the Packers to win Crunch this game time. in some ways. Crunch time. And this is the and first time I mean, you really saw it. It's like, this is what was missing last week that people wanted to see. 
Um, yeah. And this How week to he close showed a game. it in spades in multiple, without, in, in multiple possessions. And without your start, your all-pro left tackle, without your Pro Bowl left guard, without your Pro Bowl running back, without your best receiver, and like to just make it work. He just made it against a top against a top ten, top five defense against a really yeah, good this defense, is the toughest defense like, they played so far this year. Yeah, and I mean, in your home opener, like what a what a great story, like what a great what a great game. I'm I'm back to being happy about this game. But anyway, just a really gutsy win from the Packers. Thanks so much for listening to this breakdown. Sorry if we went a little long. We got a little passionate about a couple things. We got. Got a little heated about a couple of things, but thank you so much for listening. We'll be doing our pregame on Wednesday for the Packers Thursday night game against the Lions in Lambeau. Excited to talk about it. Division game. Winner's going to be in to- on top of the NFC North. A lot to play for. Some tiebreakers possibly, but excited to see you then. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. <laughs>